Where were you 15 years ago today on the 13th of September 2001? Do you remember? We all certainly do. Would I say that right? Uh, the 13th, uh, the 11th. I hope you remember we were on the 13th too. On the 11th of September. 15 years ago today, cowardly terrorists killed almost 3,000 innocent people in New York City, in Washington, and a field in Pennsylvania. We gather together here today by the solemn candle and the flag of our country to give remembrance of that day. Each of us has our stories, and one of those stories was shared with me this morning by Myra and Jack Fisher, who with their daughter and grandsons wish to also remember that day with us because on that day they were in Washington, D.C. And I know that many other of us have these stories. And so I ask that we will take the next moments and in respect to those that we lift up today, remind ourselves that though having died so horribly, we now pray their souls at peace with God. <coughs> May we be in silent memory. May we join together in the unison prayer. Grant eternal peace unto these, O God, and let thy light perpetual shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the departed find rest through the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. again. Good morning. Good morning. I like it. I like that enthusiasm. Now, I, I'm just going to be here a minute. Oh, I'm not doing this properly. Okay, I'll get it. Um, I just have one simple question for you, and uh, most of you know where I stand on the subject, so I'm hoping for more of the enthusiasm. Ready? Are you ready? Okay. How many of you like music? Raise your hands. Oh, that's good. I like it. Good, good. Now, if you only liked music just a little bit, how would you clap for that? Show me. Just, just a little. You like it a little bit. Okay. But if you liked it a little more than just a little bit, how would you clap? Oh, yeah, good, good. Now, if you really like music, show me how you'd clap for that. That's awesome, I'm loving it. Well, I have news for you. All of you who call this church your home know what an outstanding music program we have here under the superb direction of Gloria Hilliard. And, and here, here's the skinny. This coming Tuesday, that's the day after tomorrow, all our youth choirs, both choral groups and bell ringers resume their regular rehearsals. 
our two youth bell choirs, the Tintinabulators and the Praise Ringers, as well as our youth choir, the Footprints, will again be directed by our own Nick Newkirk. Nick, where are you? Give us the high sign. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> there he is. There he is. There he is. We're so lucky to have him continuing in the, these positions. And our Sunshine Singers, ages four through grade one, will be again directed by Clarita Williams. She couldn't be here this morning, but you can believe me when I tell you she'll keep our youngest choir singing with gusto. And our Melody Makers, now grades two through six, will be directed this fall by Donna Young, while our much-loved Nancy Phillipson is recovering from serious health issues. I want you to know who Donna is. Donna, will you stand for us? We are so blessed to have her in our congregation and in our midst because you'll see she's in chancel choir. She's going to be ringing bells. She's a professional musician who has conducted many, many youth choirs, and including the choir she established, founded here in the Caneo, the Los Robles Children's Choir. Um, so we are just blessed to have you, and we welcome you with open arms. Well, there you have it. For specific rehearsal times or for any other details, please contact Gloria Hilliard, Nick Newkirk, or me after the service. Better still, if you haven't been into Alton Hall with all of our programs, where all of our programs are displayed, go in and pick up a flyer. And, uh, of course, we welcome newcomers to our adult choir, the chancel choir, the covenant ringers, the celebration singers, anybody who really likes music, please come. Okay. Thank you. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. And as we begin our service, I would like to invite you to take a moment, if you would wish to share a joy or concern, to fill out one of the prayer slips. You can pass that down to the aisle. Ushers will pick those up and bring them down to our time of prayer. So let's stand as we join together in our opening hymn number 383. This is the day of new beginnings, and we'll sing verses 1 through 4. Continue with an attitude and a heart for worship and prayer. May we turn to God in prayer with our prayer hymn, 171. There's something about that name.
God, we come before you today. We give you thanks and praise for the opportunity to be together as one in worship, to celebrate as a family in your presence, to give thanks and praise for the blessings that we share, the gifts and the abilities that you have granted to each of us to serve together in ministry. We give you thanks and praise for the blessings of anniversaries and of birthdays, of new beginnings, of pasts forgiven, of futures unknown. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise for all of the things that you have blessed us with in our lives that we don't always acknowledge, but we can continue to rejoice and experience. And glorious Lord, as we lift up our joys, we too lift up the burdens that we bear, the hurts that we carry, the sins that we have committed against you and one another. And we give you thanks that in these times we might turn to you to seek your comfort, your guidance, your direction, that we might continue to lean on one another that we know we need never go through life alone. And glorious God, as we lift up the things that are in our hearts and in our lives, we too lift up those in the world around us that our prayers will be offered for those who are hurting and are sick, those who struggle, those who live with the reality of war, who live with the pain of remembrance, of loss, with so many things that seem to burden us on a day-to-day -day basis. We know that we might turn to you in prayer but in so doing that our hearts and our lives might never be the same, that we might be transformed in our spirits by your grace and your mercy. So glorious God, as we lift up our prayers in community, may we together individually and as a body come into your presence in silence to lift up the prayers that we hold, to be still before you this glorious day that you have made. We come in silence. Merciful and Holy Lord, we give you thanks. For we know that as we lift up our prayers, we too lift up our voices and our hearts in praise. And we know as we celebrate this kickoff Sunday, the ministry to which you've called us never stops, but continues to go forward one step at a time, one life at a time. So on this day, as we join together, may we lift up our voices in praise as we pray together the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, taught that we too may pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. ushers come forward as we receive our gifts, tithes, and offerings.
thanks and praise as we give to you our gifts, tithes, and offerings. May we be faithful to the ministry to which you've called us that we continue to serve this community and this world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Amen. joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That is God's word for God's people. Thanks be unto God. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the reading of the word. And we ask now your spirit to rest upon this word, to find it more than words, but read, more than words, but even written on page with ink, but now these living words, born by your spirit into our hearts, 
And as the good seed that finds its way to good soil digs deep roots and brings forth harvest, may now this, the seed of the word of God, dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God, and in whose name we pray. Amen. I love kickoff Sunday. It is a very special day for several reasons. First, there is the opportunity for all three services to join together as one body. Most other Sundays we segregate into the 8 o'clock, the 9 o'clock, and the 10.30. When people ask me, how many churches do I serve, I often will tell them I serve three. It is like having three different churches. There's probably some of you that look at some people today and say, you must be new. They've been coming here for 20 years. They've just been going to a different service. Each of our services is a little different. The feeling is a little different. The dynamics are a little different. And it really is like having three churches. So I'm glad we're all here today for this one service. So if there's someone that you don't know, be sure to go up and say hi to them. And you might find a new friend that's been here for a long time. Second, I like this Sunday because it's an opportunity for you to learn about the programs and the ministries that we have at our church. In Alton Hall today, following the service, there's an opportunity to see displays, to have people talk with you, to pick up information about the many different programs and opportunities you have to be able to be in service to God through our church. And third, I like kickoff Sunday because I only have to preach one sermon. (laughs) Wait a minute. Fourth thing I like about kickoff Sunday is all the goodies that we're going to eat over on Alton Hall. And I want to let you know there are some wonderful, Yvonne cooked up some, where is Yvonne right now? There she, hi, there you are. United, official United Methodist Church cookies with a cross and flame on them. I've already taken a couple in custody into my office (laughs) because I was afraid I wouldn't get out there in time to get them. So, um, yes. Oh, oh, right there's one right there. (laughs) I don't want to see you eating that in church either. (laughs) As we kick off our fall programs this Sunday for our new church year, we're also kicking off a new sermon series that Brian and I will be sharing entitled, Give Me. And each Sunday we're going to spell the main word we want to emphasize as we begin our new church year and as we enter into our stewardship emphasis in the next months, steward. How can we be better stewards of that which God has given to us? You see, what we're hoping as we begin this new year together as everything picks up from the summer slower times, although it did not seem very slow this summer, as we find ways that we can be active in what God calls each of us to do and to be, we seek to be good stewards of that which God has given to us. It should not surprise us as we talk about this that we do so in farmers' terms. After all, Jesus lived in an agricultural society and culture, and so he used agricultural words, descriptions, and similes to teach his lessons. Jesus understood his audience well, and he really communicated to them because he talked their language. I often think how less well we do that these days. So many, especially new preachers, start out of seminary, They think that the main thing they are called to do in their first churches is to impress people with their theological language, their Greek words, and their superior biblical intellect. And it reminds me of the scripture that comes from Matthew 16, 16, you know it. Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi, and he is with his disciples. And it's a a great place if you've ever been there, because behind where he would have given it are niches. And in those niches in the time of Jesus would have been placed images of the Roman gods and the Roman emperors. And so he asked his disciples at that time, who do you say that I am in the midst of all of these competing uh, competition for being God? Who do you say that I am? And some of them said, well, you know, you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. And some of them said, no, you're Jeremiah, the ones come back. And others said, no, maybe you're you're, uh, um, Elijah, come back. And then Jesus looked to them and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, on this declaration, 
I shall build the rock of the church, and this shall be the foundation against which the gates of hell shall not even prevail. Simple words, powerful truth. I'm reminded of the contemporary story of Jesus. He came back to a seminary. It could probably be any seminary. And he found himself in the midst of the seminarians. And he asked the same question, and who do you say that I am? And one very bright seminary student stood up and he said, you are the eschatological ground of our being and the soteriological reason for existence. And Jesus said, huh? (laughs) We have made Jesus so hard to understand these days. It's a simple message in simple words, but with profound truth of the ages. And so as we gather together here today, I think at times, you know, Jesus just kind of shakes his head and and smiles sadly how far we have gone to say, take a simple message and make it so hard. And today, as we begin our sermon series to spell the word steward, I'm saying today as the church for you to give me an S. It's kind of like the football cheerleaders, isn't it, who ask for the letters of their team as they're rooting them on. So I'm asking you to give me an S. Let's see where that takes us. Verse 35 in our scripture today says this. And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the good news of the kingdom. Now the word gospel here may be literally translated good news. Jesus wasn't preaching bad news, was he? Jesus wasn't preaching against people. Jesus wasn't spouting off negative comments. Jesus was giving people good news. Gracious me, wouldn't you like to have some good news the next time you switched on your television or you switch on the radio to have some really good news instead of news about war and pestilence and hunger and disagreements and hatred and all the other things that come into our homes and into the cars we're driving down the road. I know I have said it myself, I just wish I could hear some good news sometime. The people of Jesus' day understood this just as well as we do. Good news is hard to come upon. And here is Jesus bringing good news to people waiting and longing for a good word from God. But Jesus put hands and feet to his word of the good news. And in the second half of verse 35, it says, and healing every disease and every infirmity. You see, he showed them that good news is the practical blessing of healing. It's like the old saying that we have about walking the walk, but not just talking the talk. Jesus followed up his words with action and with power. But this healing is just not for the body. It was for the mind. It was for the heart. It was for the soul. It was for everything that we are to be healed before God. There is an old expression that was often used in the church, especially at the turn of the last century. I mean the last, last century. It was called the sin-sick soul. It's fallen out of favor these days, but I believe it says something to us. The sin-sick soul. In the midst of life, Things can get us down and depress our souls, our inward spirits, our relationship with God. I'm so glad that God can do something about my sin-sick soul to lift me from the depths to a new level of ability to serve Him. Verse 36 says, And then when Jesus saw the crowds, He had compassion upon them because they were harassed and helpless, They were like sheep without a shepherd. I love that verse. It shows the heart of God. Indeed, I have always said that it is not enough to say we will be the hands and the feet of God in our world, but that we also have to be the heart of God. You see, as Christians, we don't just do things because we are commanded to do so. We do not do good things simply to be doing good. We do acts of compassion because we are expressing the compassion of the heart of the love of God. I believe in the power of prayer. 
But I know that if someone is hungry, not only do they need my prayers, they need my help to assist them in that hunger. To say I'm going to simply pray for someone and do no action is only to be the feet of the message and the hands of the message, but it doesn't give the heart of the message because the heart of the message says that you will then feed the poor and the hungry. We often talk about relationship evangelism. Now, this is not the typical stereotype of evangelism that we often hear about where someone is trying to give you their spiel and they're trying to press your arm up so you accept Jesus. I'm talking about a relationship with people that gives you the right to talk with them about God. And it doesn't just happen by someone that you're just going to attack. It comes by relationship with someone who you form that relationship and through that relationship earn the right to be able to speak to them in the midst of the hurting world in which we live about the God who loves them so much. And here's the bottom line in our scripture today is verses 37 and 38. And then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers in to the harvest. This is what Kickoff Sunday is all about, trying to help each of us find a place where we can serve God with the gifts that God has given us within the congregation of God's people. You see, God never calls you to serve where you don't have the gifts. For example, I have seen people who want to join and sing in the choir, but they don't really have the voice to do so. Now, would it really serve them or the choir or the congregation for someone who can't sing to be in the choir? They would get frustrated, and so would the church that heard them, which is why when I first <laughs> which is why when I first came here, Gloria Hilliard heard me sing. And she came up to me and she said, Pastor, will you make me a promise? She said, Will you never, ever, in your entire life, ever ask to sing with the choir? Gloria, cold, cold, but true. <laughs> I'm just saying, so if you can't sing, don't join the choir, please. <laughs> Wasn't the choir great? That's because Gloria doesn't let people like me sing in the choir. <laughs> You see, the thing is, good stewardship is good ministry that recognizes that we go where God calls us because God has given us a gift to be able to share. And the amazing thing is, it doesn't matter how old, how young, how educated, how successful you are in the world, in the church, when we give our gifts to God in stewardship, we truly make a difference no matter what our gift is. I'd like to share a story with you story much like those that Jesus told about life using symbols and things we are familiar with but in simple things that brings a profound message. Seems one day a young man was standing in the middle of the town proclaiming that he had the most beautiful heart in the whole valley. And a large crowd gathered around him and they all admired his heart for it was perfect. There was not a mark or flaw in it. Yes, they all agreed it truly was the most beautiful heart they had ever seen. The young man was very proud and boasted most loudly about his beautiful heart. But suddenly an old man appeared at the front of the crowd and said, Why, your heart is beautiful, but I want you to look at mine. And the crowd and the young man looked at the old man's heart. It was beating strongly, but it was full of scars. It had places where pieces had been removed and other pieces put in, but they, they didn't quite fit. In fact, in some places there were deep gouges where whole pieces were missing. And the people stared. How can his heart be so beautiful when it is so scarred and torn and gouged? And the young man, looking at the old man's heart, began to laugh and said, You must be joking. Compare your heart with mine. Mine is perfect, and yours is a mess of scars and tears. Yes, said the old man, yours is perfect looking, but I would never trade with you. For you see, every scar 
on my heart represents a person to whom I have shared my love. I tear out a piece of my heart and I give it to them. And often they give a piece back of their heart to me, which fits again into the empty place in my heart, but not always perfect because they're different. I have some rough edges which I cherish because they remind me of the love we shared. Sometimes I have given pieces of my heart away and the other person hasn't returned a piece of the heart to me. Those are the empty gouges. But you see, giving love means taking a chance. All the gouges are painful. They stay open, reminding me of the love that I have for those people too. And I hope someday they may return and fill the space that I'm saving for them. So do you see now what true beauty is? And the young man stood silently. And with tears running down his cheeks, he walked up to the old man, reached into his perfect young heart, and ripped a piece out. And he offered it to the old man with trembling hands. And the old man took the offering and placed it in his own heart. And then took a piece from his old scarred heart and placed it in the wound in the young man's heart. It fit, not quite perfectly, as there were some jagged edges. And the young man looked at his heart. Not perfect anymore, but more beautiful than ever, since love from the old man's heart had flowed into his. And they embraced, and they walked away side by side. And everyone said, how sad it must be to go through life with a whole heart. The lesson is clear. The answer is love. Today, as we begin to look about how we give our lives in stewardship, will you give me that first letter or give me an S? As we begin to learn how to be good stewards of all that God has given us, and truly give our hearts away. May we pray. Eternal God, we gather together here today as your church. What a great day this is on Cook-Up Sunday to meet new people, to share together in fellowship, to be reminded that there's ways to serve you, that each of us has a gift, but all the gifts in the world always are bought at the price of love that's given away. So help us, O Lord, today to understand that you call each one of us to give a part of ourself to someone who needs it. And even though our hearts will be less than perfect, we will have followed the perfect love of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, for his sake and ours. Amen. May we join together in our hymn of dedication, number 368, My Hope is Built.
reach out and hold the hands of those standing near you as we receive our choral benediction. to the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to know an evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.